It's great to be here this morning. Thankful for each of you and your decision to be here and worship with us today. I'm hopeful that you all had a fantastic Thanksgiving. And for those that traveled during that time, I'm glad to see you did so safely and glad that you're back here today. We've been, well, I, I should, before I start, I should also say I'm thankful for all of the visitors that are here today. Um, glad to have each of you here. And then there are some here today that I wouldn't necessarily consider visitors, but rather displaced members. Uh, <laughs> glad to have uh, the Walters and the Brewingtons here. And uh, it kind of feels like, like old times that, that weren't so long ago. We've been walking through a series that's titled Flirting with Disaster. And we've talked about some different topics about things that can start really small in our life and they can quickly snowball and become big problems for us. We've talked about envy, we've talked about lust, and we've talked about laziness. And we've yet to talk about uh, slander, dishonesty, and there's one more, but it's uh, escaping my mind now. But today I'm right in the middle of the pack and I'll be uh, addressing the subject of anger. And when I first learned that I was assigned this topic, uh, I thought it was a little bit ironic and even a little bit humorous because anger is not something that historically I've had any issue with at all. I have plenty of other problems. Uh, some on, are on the list of things that we've been talking about, of things that I struggle with and have struggled with in the past, but anger is not one of those. Um, and so when I started to study this, uh, you know, I, um, I, I thought about, you know, how, how uh, obviously it'd be very good to, to study on that. Um, in, in fact, um, in line with it not being something that, uh, that I've I really had to deal with much, uh, for the first few years of Rachel and I's marriage, uh, the biggest or the closest thing that we ever really came to an argument about was about how infuriating it was to her that I never got mad <laughs> about anything, really. And it just drove her crazy that, that I just didn't get upset about anything. And, you know, every once in a while, she just wanted to pick a little fight and have a, you know, good little healthy <laughs> argue about something. And that really has never been my version of fun. And um, I told her that I was, when she asked what I was talking about and I told her anger, she said, oh, great. And, and I told her that I reassured her that I wouldn't pick on her, but I did tell her that I had to share one story with you uh, because it relates to a little bit to what we're talking about this morning. Uh, within the first two years of our marriage, uh, we uh, were, one evening Rachel wanted to play a card game, and I'm just not really into board games. I don't, I'm not really into card games. It's not so much playing it that I don't like, it's I just, I don't really want to go through the effort to learn how to play. But once, once I do learn how to play, then I really get into it and I want to win, right? And so we were playing a card game one evening and Rachel just couldn't win. I was just beating her over and over and over. <laughs> and she got so mad, she just threw the cards down and she said, I am so mad at you. And I just started laughing because it was so funny. And she just went on and on, and, and I had never seen her that upset. And she was mad at me for a few days <laughs> over the card game. And at the time, I found that really funny because it was something that I couldn't relate to. It just didn't make sense to me how you get so frustrated over something so small. But 
when I started thinking about that and studying for this lesson, and then I started thinking about where I am now, and I started to kind of pull the layers off of you know, my own life, I quickly realized that anger has really been something that I've struggled with over the last year. And it's not really anything that I've even thought about until I started looking at the subject and looking at the Bible, and, and I realized that maybe I really do have a problem with this. And so, what changed? And I think really a lot of things have changed over the last 12 months for us. And I want to quickly just give you a very brief 10,000 foot view of kind of the last year of, um, of Rachel and I, <clears throat> of our life. There's been a lot of changes, um, a lot of challenges. And, and I really, I, I'm, I'm not telling you this to tell you about me. And that's not what I want you to focus on. I want you to focus on what I'm telling you, how it can relate to the things that we're about to talk about. Um, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, I started a company, and it was really just intended initially just to be a part-time uh, business that, you know, Rachel was pregnant, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm always thinking, how can I supplement my income? And so I already had a great job. And so I started this little side company and really just, you know, did, wasn't really doing a whole lot with it, just, just kind of getting, you know, bank accounts set up, getting, trying to get some marketing together, that type of thing. And a few months later, um, without going into a lot of detail because it's not relevant to the story, the company that I worked for full time found out about it and fired me. And their reasoning was uh, that what I was doing on the side was too closely related uh, to their business. And it really didn't give me the opportunity to plead my case, but it, it's, it's what it was. And so that put Rachel and I in a very um, sticky position because uh, we really didn't have, we had no money really. Uh, Rachel was six months pregnant and um, the company that I had started was just a baby itself, right? I, I'd only done one small project and really didn't make any money doing it. I really didn't have any idea what I was doing. And so I was angry. I was, I was angry at myself for putting us in that position. I was angry at the company that fired me because I felt like they had done so unjustly. And I was angry uh, just at the stress that I had caused for my family. And I was also angry because of my fear. There was a lot of fear about what we were going to do and, and all the life changes and things that were going on and, and, and how it was going to all work out. And so it didn't make a whole lot of sense at the time, but Rachel encouraged me to just go for it. You know, we're already in a, in a mess. Just go for it and see what happens. And, and it, you know, it really didn't, you know, I, I was really torn about that. You know, I, I had a few other companies that were entertaining, you know, me working for them. And then I had this great unknown. And so I decided I'm going to give it, you know, a little bit of time and just go for it. And so I did. And I got up every day and I worked extremely hard. And I went out there and I just really uh, pushed to, to promote my, my company and my ideas. And I really had no idea what I was doing. And what happened was we would sl slowly pick up one little small project. And we'd get the project and then it was like, okay, well, now we got to figure out how to do the work that we had just, you know, committed to. And so then we'd, I'd spend all my time, you know, trying to do that. And then that, that, what we would make from that job would last us just long enough to make it to the next little bitty small project. And so it was, it was just not, um, it just wasn't a good situation. It wasn't really working. And so I sat down and I just had a pen and a notepad and I said, I'm going to give myself one month. And if I, if something doesn't change in a month, uh, I've just, I've got to go get another job because it's just not going to work. And so, um, 
doors were opened, prayers were answered, and the floodgates just opened. And <clears throat> all of a sudden, we had so much work that I couldn't hire people fast enough and train them to go do the work. And so as you can imagine, that created a lot of stress. That created a lot of frustration. And it was exciting, but it was very stressful. And I became uh, very short-tempered because of that. I, in retrospect, made a lot of decisions um, in haste and from a position of frustration that, looking back, uh, had I just made a little bit different decision, then it would have uh, ended up a lot better or would have led me down a much, much better path. And so uh, all of this is going on. Holland's born. Um, you know, just, just, just madness. And, um, <clears throat> and then things started to kind of smooth out a little bit. We started to kind of get a handle on things, and I felt like we were actually getting somewhere, and, and things had kind of equalized a little bit. And then I learned another big lesson. And I'm going to preface this comment because uh, two people that work with me now, uh, one is here, Kayla. She works with us part-time. She really keeps me uh, uh, up on our accounting and, and helps make sure that I'm not foolish with, with the uh, resources that we have. And then Mark, Mark's brother, uh, Debbie's son, Monty, also works with me. He's been with me since almost the beginning. And those two people are really the only two people out of about 20 people that work for me <clears throat> that I trust 100%. Um, and so I, I just want to say that before I make the next comment, and that is um, I learned a lesson that whenever you, uh, you know, build something and you start to hire people, the people that you hire uh, with the exception of them, just don't care about it as much as you do. You know, they don't, they didn't have, they have not experienced all the sleepless nights and all the stress and all the heartache that comes with building something, especially something that grows extremely fast. And so what used to keep me up at night is how are we going to have enough work to keep people busy, to make money, to pay the bills? What keeps me up, I'm not worried about that now. What I worry about now is people uh, not stealing from me or doing something that costs me a lot of money. I, I feel like I'm playing defense every day. And that alone can cause a, a lot of anger and frustration. I'll give you a quick example, and then we'll get on to, the, to the, uh, what we're really talking about here. Um, I had a couple of guys, we've got a great project down in Temple, south of Waco, and we're about to wrap it up. And I had a couple, some guys down there, I, uh, we've been doing a lot of work out of town, and a very economical way for me to house people is Airbnb. We can get a big house and put everybody in it, and it's a very, very efficient way of, of uh, handling lodging. Um, and we've done it, probably booked 40 Airbnbs over the last few months and never had much of an issue uh, until this instance. Um, had a couple of new guys who were working for me, a father and a son. Both worked extremely hard. I really felt like they were you know, going to be around a while, and, and they did a great job. And um, everything's going great. They finish work for that week. They leave and go home as with, with everybody that was staying in the house. Shortly thereafter, I get a message from Airbnb from the owners of the house saying that the house had been gone through and just wiped clean. They had stolen everything out of this house. From, not everything, but if it wasn't nailed down or heavy and they could fit it in their truck, it was gone. I mean, everything, light bulbs, uh, dishwashing soap, laundry soap, sheets. They took entire bundles of sheets and curtains off the wall and just wipe this place clean. And obviously that caused a lot of problems for me. It cost me money. It was a big headache. Um, shortly after dealing with that, and I reacted to that very uh, probably not in, in the best way that I could. 
shortly after that, as I was dealing with that, I had a guy that's been with me for a while call me up, and um, just in the course of the conversation, he got an attitude with me about something, and I just blew up. I mean, I just absolutely lost it, and I fired him, and, and just, I, I was so mad. I was just shaking and, and frustrated, and what made that situation really, really unpleasant, and I'm ashamed of it now, is that um, that happened while we were visiting my family, and I was riding in the car with my dad and my youngest sister, and they were there to witness uh, that happen. And so um, it just, I'm very ashamed of that. And my point to telling you all of that story, and especially the last little bit, is that anger is something that can completely change you or your character. It can completely make you a different person for the negative. And it's so powerful that you may not even realize, you may not even realize uh, what's going on because it distorts your character so much. And I'm not exactly sure, there we go. Um, so I want to talk a little bit for a little while about anger. Um, I want to start with really tying it into the series that we've been talking about. I mentioned some of the topics that we've been dealing with. And I, I want to talk about the characteristics of anger um, and how they're different and how they're similar to the other topics that we have covered and will cover in the series that we're walking through now. So I want to start with some of the differences. And the differences being um, uh, th the way that anger, in my mind is at, at least, is a little bit different from things like lust and envy and laziness. And so the first thing that comes to my mind is anger itself is not always, isn't really the sin or the issue. Anger itself doesn't have to, just because we're angry doesn't mean that we sin. Uh, some of the other topics like lust, when we lust after something, we are engaging in sin uh, by doing so. Now that lust obviously can progress and turn into something bigger, uh, but with anger, I just think it's a little bit different. And I think that because in Ephesians 4.26, it says, Paul says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. And so we'll talk a little bit more about Ephesians in a little bit at the conclusion of uh, my thoughts. But I think it's important to establish that anger is a natural emotion that we have. It's an emotion that we have just like happiness, just like fear. Um, it's something that, you know, just chemically, it, it, it's in us. You know, we, we have the ability to feel angry about something. But anger, again, is not necessarily the issue. It's what we do when we are angry that causes us to sin and to displease God. Another difference, and I probably should have worded this a little bit differently. I was thinking on the way um, here this morning. But one difference between everything we've been talking about is a lot of the, the topics like lust, or like envy, or even laziness, or gossip, you know, those things tend to draw us in, you know. Um, to me, anger, and there's a temptation to go to those things. Anger to me is a little bit different. There's still a temptation, uh, but it's more when something happens to me that I'm tempted to be angry and allow that anger to fester and cause me to do something else. But for the most part, uh, and there are exceptions to this, I've I know people who have an affinity for uh, the adrenaline they get when they're angry, and they like to argue, right? Um, I briefly, for a very short period of time, worked for a gentleman who wasn't happy unless he was mad and screaming at somebody. I mean, it, 
Um, it, so there are people like that. But I think for the most part, most of us, you know, we don't, it's not like something that draws us in lust or envy. Or that we don't see something to be angry about and go, well, I'm going to go right to that so, just so I can be angry, right? So I think there's a little bit of a difference there. Um, so again, anger is more of, it causes us uh, to have a reaction to it. And how we handle that reaction is very important. Moses is a good example. Uh, in Numbers chapter 20, Moses was leading the Israelites uh, through the wilderness, and as they did frequently, they became ups, you know, uh, disgruntled. And they came to Moses and Aaron, and they were complaining, and they were saying, you know, it would be better for us to be dead than to be out here wandering around. We don't have anything good to eat. We don't have any water to drink. And we would just, just as soon really be dead and not be here. And so Moses and Aaron go to God, and God says, uh, instructs them for Moses to take his staff and to go out to this rock and to speak to the rock and that water would come from it. Well, it's easy for Moses, it's, it's easy for me when we really think about it to understand the pressure that Moses was under and the, the, the you know, having to lead all of these people and to have all these people just be, um, you know, treat him the, the, the way that they were. And so he goes out and he takes his staff and he's doing what God tells him and he gets mad. And he calls them rebels. You want to, he says, you rebels, you want some water? And he strikes the rock twice. And water comes out of it. And because he didn't honor God, and because he lost his temper, he wasn't allowed to enter into the land that he was leading the Israelites to. And so the point there is that, you know, things, we can, in a split moment, make um, decisions that have lasting consequences. I don't know if you've ever seen this uh, picture, but I saw this floating around a little while back, and I'm not exactly sure whoever came up with this, what, you know, a coyote or a wolf chasing a bird has to do with anger. Uh, I don't know why the, the, the wolf would be mad at the bird. Um, I think that if you've heard the term hangry, when you're so hungry that you're angry, I think that maybe choices made in hanger can't be undone would, would fit this depiction a little better. But the illustration obviously makes sense, right? Once we do something out of anger, once we react, we can't take it back. And Moses was uh, an example of that. And, and think about Moses. I mean, he was an incredible guy. You know, he, he, all the things that he did, he left everything that he could have had in Egypt. And he left and obeyed God's command to lead the Israelites out of captivity and to lead them towards the land that God had promised them. And there was a lot of ups and downs and all the work and all the stress and all the things that he put into that. And one misstep kept him out of that promised land. So it's something to consider that our um, reaction, right, uh, or our temptation to react um, can, can be damaging. And the last thing uh, that uh, I find different about anger versus other things we've talked about is anger can actually be used for good. You know, when you talk about some of the other things like gossip, there's nothing good that comes when we get around and gossip about somebody else. And those, that can obviously be very destructive. But anger's not that way. <clears throat> anger can be used for good. Again, anger is a natural emotion that we have, and it can be a great motivator. Um, you know, Growing up, I, uh, I would often work with my grandfather, and um, 
I'd be, you know, struggling with something and I couldn't fix it or I couldn't get it or it was too heavy or whatever it was. And my grandpa would come along and he'd say, you just got to get mad at it, son. You know, you just got to get, get angry with it. And then, you know, a lot of times if they would produce, I could, you know, get riled up about it and produce the result that I was looking for. And it can be, you know, there's a lot of ways that we could think that anger um, is, is really can be a great motivator. One thing that uh, the first thing that came to mind when I was thinking about this is Jesus in the temple where he overturned the tables. And we find the, um, in Matthew 21, verse, verses 12 through uh, 13, it says, Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, and you've made it a den of thieves. So what was going on here is there were all these people traveling um, into Jerusalem to, uh, to come into the temple and to make sacrifices. And Jesus came in, and, and what he witnessed that um, m- made him angry. Now, the Bible doesn't say that he was angry, but it does say that you know, he went in and overturned the tables. And I just can put it together and assume that he didn't you know, walk up and say, hey, guys, would you please leave and just gently turn the table over the the illustration, the idea that comes to my mind is he went in there and, you know, caused, uh, really shook the place up, right? So, but what was happening is he came there and you had all of these people selling doves. Now, why would they sell doves? Well, people were coming in to make sacrifices. Well, a lot of them travel from a long ways. So what better uh, economic uh, business, you know, uh, business venture to be in than to be set up in and around the temple selling doves. So it was convenient, right? It's like when you go to you know, a sports game and you pay $12 for a hot dog. You know, If you're being honest, a lot of times we don't even really feel bad about paying $12 for the hot dog because it's about the experience and the convenience, right? And so that's kind of what was going on here with the doves and with the, the money changers that were taking money from um, places that they had come from where there were pagan gods. Uh, they would take this money and change it uh, for the, the uh, currency there so that um, their offering would not be tainted by, uh, by that. And so these people were taking advantage and, um, uh, of the temple and of what was going on there. And I believe it made Jesus angry, and he used that anger uh, to rid all of the, the wrongdoing that was going on there in the temple. And, you know, that, that happens today. Um, you know, there's, when we... There's all kind of nonprofits, and I mean, a lot of uh, you know big um, uh, nonprofits and charities that are out there today probably came from someone who started with that had a position of anger about some sort of injustice, you know, some injustice against children, or you know, there's um, huge problems with sex trafficking and all these different things, and that that makes us mad, right? And we get upset about those injustices, and that leads us to go do something good about them. So anger can be used for good unlike many of uh, the things that we have been talking about over the last several weeks. So let's talk about some similarities. Some things that anger has in common with all of the other topics. And so I want to, the first one is, is that anger has roots, just like any of the other things. There, you know, anger is, let's say, at the surface level, but there are roots underneath the ground that are feeding and that, 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 this, uh, that anger comes from. And so the three that I thought about, um, the first being fear. Uh, on our way to church this morning, Rachel's driving. 
I'm in the passenger seat and somebody got a little too close to our vehicle, whatever it was, and I don't remember what she said, but she just, she just kind of got mad about it, right? And she said, you know, ever since uh, we've had Holland and she's in the car with us, my road rage is just, you know, off the chart, you know? And, uh, and, and that's understandable, right? Because it's coming from the, the root of that is fear. Rachel is fearful that somebody's going to swerve into our lane and, and hurt. She's, I know she's not as nearly as worried about herself as she is the baby in the back seat. And so the, one of the roots of fear can be, uh, or one of the roots of anger can be fear. And I mentioned um, another big one that I thought of is, is financial fear, right? I mentioned a little bit about uh, kind of some of the things that we've gone through in the last year. As you can imagine, uh, our financial you know, situation over the last year has been just a roller coaster, right? Um, and mostly a roller coaster being, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Six Flags. Um, years ago I went and there's, uh, there's a roller coaster there called the Titan. And the Titan is this huge roller coaster that once you get up on top, it's just a nosedive straight down. And at the end, there's, you know, there's a little bit more of a roller coaster, but, but that's really been the roller coaster, right? That financially, we found ourselves in and, and many other people uh, find themselves in. Is this just a nosedive? It's a plunge, right? And so um, that can create a lot of stress in a marriage. It can create a lot of uncertainty and then that can produce anger. And if that's not handled, then that anger can progress into much more serious um, uh, circumstances. Uh, I read a statistic that about one third of divorces in the U.S. are caused by financial problems. And you know, so something, uh, anger is essentially in a situ in a marriage and situation like that can be a catalyst for divorce and that can split a family and have, um, negative consequences that last for generations. And so fear can, is one root of, um, anger. Another one is pain. It's no secret that people hurt us. We can hurt other people. Um, especially people that we're really close to can more, maybe more easily hurt us. And there's something that I've experienced a few times in my life that I really consider, a, best, I guess the best word would be a phenomenon. I mean, it's, it's mind-boggling to me how this happens, and it's very common, um, at least the experiences that I've had, maybe not in your families. But I'll give you the example. Um, this has happened on both sides of my family, uh, on my mom's side multiple times. But you have a, uh, some, a, a you know, pretty close-knit family, and you know, a father, grandfather, the, the patriarch or the matriarch of the family passes away. And you have all of these family members, brothers and sisters, you know, grandchildren, all these people that have been so close for so long, and then that person passes away, and all of a sudden, it just turns into chaos. People get mad at each other. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's, I've just, I've been through it multiple times and, and it's amazing how the division that someone, just from someone passing away, that everybody just turns on each other and it might be, you know, about, uh, you know, money or in the inheritance or what people expected or just, you know, uh, things that were, are said at funerals and shortly after, I mean, the littlest thing can cause this just avalanche of, of um, problems within a family and a lot of that uh, the catalyst again is anger uh, but the root of it is the pain that we experience when we hurt each other or when, when people hurt us 
And finally, uh, frustration. Frustration can obviously build on a daily basis, and it can build and it can build and it can build and it cause us to snap. And that daily stress uh, can really compound and cause us to be angry, and that anger can cause us to act in a way uh, that's just displeasing to God. So another similarity is that anger, like everything else that we've talked about, has a progression. It could start very, very small, and it can end up very, very big. And there's, uh, you know, it can evolve, is what I'm trying to say, uh, during that time. So I want to consider Cain. <clears throat> Cain, um, Adam and Eve had Cain, and then after that they had Abel. And when I was reading, you know, reading through the, the short account of Cain and Abel and up until where Cain killed Abel, um, you know, I tried to really just put myself in that family and, and think about that situation. So you have Cain, he's born, he's the firstborn uh, on earth, right? Kind of important. And so, um, you know, obviously he changed Adam and Eve's life and they, you know, uh, were obviously very, had to be very fond of him and growing him up. Uh, and raising him, and then uh, Abel comes along, and you know now Abel's the young, the 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 youngest, right? And many of us, I'm the oldest, so I uh, I have four sisters beneath me, so I can attest to what happens when sibling younger siblings come along, and many of you experience that. And so they're growing up, and the Bible tells us that Abel took care of flocks, he took care of animals, and that Cain was a tiller of the ground, and then he planted things, and then he farmed. And they both made an offering to God. God was pleased with Abel's. He was not pleased with Cain's. And Cain became jealous. And God even warned him uh, about that jealousy and warned him to, that, that uh, he needed to, um, to take care, ter- care of that. In Genesis 4 and 6, we can see that. It said, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desires for you, but you must master it. So God's warning him that it's going to get out of control if he doesn't control it. And as we know, uh, Cain allowed his anger to progress into wrath, and he ultimately killed his brother. Now, I don't know, you know, when, when Abel and Cain were out in the field, I don't know if Cain intended to kill Abel or if he just got frustrated and they started fighting and it, he took it too far. But whatever it is, there was a progression. You see, it probably started with him being annoyed and then that probably grew to him being jealous and that grew to him being angry and resentful or vice versa, resentful than angry, and it ultimately ended in wrath. And what's the difference between wrath and anger? Wrath is a vengeful anger. Wrath is something that when you're wrathful, you want to cause harm. You want to do harm. And that's what Cain did. The Bible talks a lot about God's wrath. All through the Old Testament especially, and all through the Bible, it talks about God's wrath on, on evil. And, uh, uh, you know, we don't have the liberty to be wrathful. Uh, that is left for God and his judgment. So those are some uh, characteristics of anger. I want to just quickly look through how to deal with anger. So we understand that it's a problem, right? How do we deal with it? And the first thing I think is we need to understand the severity of its consequences. You know, there's a lot of things that we, we kind of know are not good for us. Uh, and we know that they could really be bad. But because there's not an immediate consequence, um, you know, we just, uh, 
It's just not something that we're really fearful of uh, until we're faced uh, with the consequences of it. Matthew 5, <clears throat> verse 21 and 22 says, You have heard that the, that the ancients were told you shall not commit murder, but whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court, and whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. This few verses have always made me very uncomfortable uh, because it highlights that God is not, does not accept us being angry with one, of, one another. Uh, and obviously for good reason, for all the reasons we just talked about and where anger, uh, when it's allowed to fester, can lead. But you know, we live uh, in a, a world today that has conditioned us to be, uh, the term is instant gratification, right? And I just, it just irks me when, when, when I think about and admit that I'm that way, right? It's kind of like somebody, uh, you know, they start talking about millennials. Oh, just, just nails on the chalkboard. Like, don't call me a millennial, you know? And, uh, and so, uh, you know, admitting that we, we are or I am uh, someone who is, um, who is uh, subject or prone to, uh, you know, being drawn to being instantly gratified. Um, I think it, it relates to this in that the opposite of that is um, whenever there's not an immediate consequence or because we're conditioned that way, when there's not an immediate consequence, then we don't, you know, always really give it the, the attention that it needs. Um, so obviously it's apparent that being allowing our anger to get out of control can be spiritually uh, a problem for us. But we also can have serious physical uh, consequences for our anger. And a few of those, I did a little bit of research. The chances of a heart attack and a stroke double for two hours after you, you know, blow up and get mad. So for the next two hours, because of all the chemicals flooding your body, when you get angry, your chances of a heart attack and a stroke double. It also weakens your immune system. Uh, for six hours after you get upset about something, uh, there's a, an antibody, the, the main antibody in your body that's the first line, well, not the main, but it's the first line of defense against infections. It dramatically uh, goes down for six hours because of what's going on. And obviously we know it increases blood pressure and increases anxiety. So there's some physical consequences uh, to allowing our anger uh, to be out of control. So we understand that it's serious. I think the first thing that we need to do um, when you're like me and you recognize that you have a problem with it is to ask for guidance. And I uh, often do not give uh, enough um, credit's not the right word, but you know what I'm trying to say, to the benefits that we can have from asking God for guidance. Uh, Psalms 139, verses 23 to 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And if there is any wicked way in me, uh, and lead me in the way everlasting. And Isaiah 58 paints a really, in my opinion, a beautiful illustration of the value and the benefit and what we can become with God's guidance. And he's really what he's talking about here is fasting and the benefits of fasting, but it relates to what we're talking about as well, 
um, with how God can, uh, can really alter the course, the trajectory of our lives. Um, it says, And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones, and you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age-old foundations, and you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets, streets in which to dwell. I just think that's a really uh, beautiful illustration there um, of the power of seeking God's guidance and what we can become, what that can do for us. The next thing is we really need to think before reacting. We need to respond to things that tempt us and cause us to be angry rather than just have these knee-jerk reactions like Moses did. In uh, James chapter 1, verses 19, 19 through 20, it says, This I know, this you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Again, uh, it's because there's, there's a progression there that, that we want to avoid. And then finally, we need to be proactive. Going back to Ephesians 4 and 26, it says, Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. Let all bitterness and wrath, this is skipping through down to verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also forgave you. You know, Satan uses every tool that he has at his disposal to divide us. Because if he can divide us, it makes us much weaker and much more, uh, it makes it easier for us to fall away. And so if he can divide the church, if he can divide the uh, family, anything he can do, he's going to use anger as a way to do that. And that bitterness and the resentment that can come from anger can have long-lasting effects. And when we allow ourselves to harbor that our anger and allow it to fester, we are essentially doing his work for him. Here Paul kind of puts a time limit on it. He says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And really what he's saying there is take care of it immediately. You know, I was thinking about this. You know, what happens if you do let the sun go down? Literally, if you literally let the sun go down, you go to bed angry, right? What happens? Well, so I think about it. If something happens to me during the day that really bothers me, I come home, Rachel probably picks up well, she does. She picks up on something that, that something's not right, and she wants to know about it. And so I tell her about it. Well, then she gets mad about it, right? And so it, it just doubled. It just multiplied. And, you know, what I've seen in the course of our uh, going on six years, of being married, uh, six years of being married is if I get mad about something, I come home, I share that with her. The next day, I'm over it. Well, she's not. She didn't have anything to do with it. But, you know, wh- whichever person it was that, uh, that I had a disagreement with, um, six months later, she's like, oh, I just don't know about that person, you know, because, you know, she's listening to what I'm saying and holding on. So I think that's just kind of a um, kind of, you know, kind of a uh, interesting way to look at this passage and about, you know, Paul saying, hey, just deal with it immediately. Just just uh, whoever it is that whatever situation is, just deal with it then and just don't let it let it uh, hang around. And then we in verse 31 the highlight there for me is that, you know, he says, we've been forgiven, so we are uh, to forgive. You know, it's really easy to hold a grudge against somebody uh, until we realize the grudge that Christ could hold against us and that he didn't and that he doesn't. 
And so I think that's important that we be proactive and, um, and that we are proactive in our forgiveness of others when they uh, do things that, that um, tempt us to be angry. So in conclusion, um, I just want to leave you with this. You know, by giving anger a place in our lives, uh, we are flirting with disaster. Uh, my encouragement for you today is to consider where you are in all of this, uh, like I did when I first started studying this. You know, maybe you're like me and it really has become a problem and it's affecting you negatively. You know, spend some time thinking about that. Spend some time thinking about the consequences of that. Um, and, and, um, and then, but maybe you're like the old me and you really don't have a problem with it. And I would encourage you to find somebody who does and really spend some time with them uh, and maybe be able to use some of the things we talked about today to help them with that. And the last thing that I just want to leave you with that uh, uh, Brother Chris came up to me at the beginning of church, uh, the service and he said, uh, he said, hey, I want to pick out a song that goes with your lesson. And uh, I said, well, Angry Words is the only one I can think of. And uh, so, you know, he sang that. And then he was talking about a song um, you know, that, that relates to love. And he said, you know, I don't know if you're, you're tying love into, you know, replacing anger with love. And I thought, hello, <laughs> of course I should. I totally missed that. <laughs> so my last thing I want to leave you with is replace anger with love. And we'll, um, we'll go a lot farther in our, our spiritual lives. Uh, thank you for your attention. If there's any way the church can help you, please come as we stand and sing.